Yeah, Brother Payne, every time you talk to him, uh, he should, you should, they should change his name to arthritis because he's a pain all over. <laughs> that was funny. Come on now. Take your Bibles. Go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel's a good book. I'm getting to like Ezekiel more and more every day. He's my kind of guy. He sees everything a certain way, which is a blessing. And uh, he, he sees it through the eyes of the Lord always. Ezekiel 38. Or Ezekiel 18, excuse me. You don't have to stand. It's going to be a little bit, so uh, I want to try to work this thing. And we got revival starting Sunday morning. And uh, Brother Reagan's going to come in and preach at us. And uh, is, there's just some things that, that you need to get in your mindset. I'm telling this on a, on a Wednesday night crowd because you guys are the ones that's uh, the most, I don't want to say the most faithful because there's other people that can that make it uh, in and out. But most of the time, this is the group right here that, that will be there uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, all the way through. And if you want a revival, I mean, if you really, really want a revival, there are just some things you need to understand about yourself, and it's never anybody else. It's always you or me. Uh, when I look at the Bible, I'm looking at me. So Ezekiel uh, 18, verse 4 says, Behold, all, I'll tell you what, y'all stand real quick. We'll, sing, we'll read one verse, and then I'll let y'all sit down. That way, at least I can say I made y'all stand up. Ezekiel 18, 4. Behold, all souls are mine. As the souls of the Father, so also the souls of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for letting us come to church on a Wednesday night, Lord. Thank you for a church to come to. Lord, all the other stuff that you've done uh, over the, the last three or four weeks. And uh, Lord, uh, I just pray that you'd continue to work in our lives. Lord, uh, a true revival, Lord, occurs when an individual wants to get revived or wants to change, Lord. And I just pray that, that you, uh, you settle that in our hearts. Uh, Lord, that that's what we want. And Father, again, thank you for your many blessings, and we'll praise you on you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Y'all do keep Brother Payne in prayer. Keep Brother uh, Combs in prayer. He's got some car issues. Also, uh, Brother Ross, he's going into the hospital in the morning to get open-heart surgery. And I mean, they're going to rip him open and, and go in there and, and uh, put some pig in him. And uh, I don't know if he gets the bacon part or not, but he's going to get some pig valves. And, uh, and I'm telling you what, it's just one of those things. He's already been through it twice, so he knows what he's getting himself into, and he made the choice to do it. But, he, but uh, in Ezekiel 18.4, it says, uh, the, the title of my message is Seeing Where You Walk. A lot of people, we don't know where we're walking. We, uh, the only way you could ever learn how to walk or even know where to walk is the Lord's got to show you where to walk. And, and he says, Behold, all souls are mine. Uh, if you didn't realize it, you're, you're God's no matter what. The Lord owns you. It's, uh, he owns me. He says, what, not, what, uh, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So this thing right here is a temple in itself, and it was given to me by him. He says, behold, all souls are mine as the soul of the Father. Now, we're Old Testament. Now, I'll, I'll let you know that. I want you to know I know where I'm at in the Old Testament. I'm, I'm looking at Ezekiel, and Ezekiel's talking to the nation of Israel, and he's trying to get these people, the nation of Israel, to see some things. Uh, that they haven't seen. He goes, hey, everything is mine. It's all his, by the way. The ground's his, the trees are his, the, everything's his. As the, the soul of the father, and he's going to start talking about, in a, in a sense here, he's going to hit a father, a son, and a grandson, you could say. It could be three different generations of, of people, but uh, it, it looks like it's a father, son, and a, and a grandson. And down in verse 5, he goes, but so, so also the souls of the son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Uh, you're getting ready to look at the personality of the Lord right here in this, in this couple passages we're looking at. And I just want this is kind of a preference to another area I'm going to go to. But in, in Ezekiel, the Lord is trying to show us that, hey, I'm, I'm blaming individuals, not everybody. He's getting to the place where he's moving into it's an individual thing. You can have just as much Jesus Christ as you want. The question is, is how much do you want? If you don't want any, I can't help you. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Lord can't help you. But if you want something, man, I'll tell you what, he can give it to you. He can give you more than you ever wanted in your entire life. Verse 5, it's a righteous man. But if, the, if a man be just. Now, when you're talking about Old Testament, that's Old Testament law and all the stuff he told you through the Old Testament, which is pretty impressive if you can find anybody who does it. But if a man be just and do that which is lawful and right and hath not eaten upon the mountains. And he goes on down through there and, and he lists all the stuff that this man does. Go down to verse 9. I'm jumping through some of these verses so I can get through them really quick. Uh, hath walked in my statutes after you've done all this other stuff and hath get, kept my judgments to deal truly. He is just. He shall surely live, saith the Lord God. 
You know what God's personality is? He wants you to live. He doesn't want, I'm going to jump ahead of myself here just a tad bit, but that's okay. Uh, go down to verse, uh, go down to verse, verse, verse 23. Verse 23. That's a great verse. This is a great passage. Have I any pleasure? People always say, well, God's out to get me. Have I any pleasure at all uh, that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live? You know what God's desire is, is that you would turn back, that I would turn back, that if I ever get to a place where I get away. Uh, you know what's wrong with most Christians? Man, I'm telling you what, we're so easy to just slam somebody and kick them out and beat them up and, and call them everything but human. Uh, pick out, boy, aren't you glad God don't bring your sin out and mine? Boy, I'm sure glad he doesn't mind. I, I, I tell everybody all the time, when I was in the Navy, they, they, uh, I, my first top secret clearance was in 1983. And what that NIS agent did for me and everybody else did for me is they took my entire background up to that point and they, they sterilized it so that from that point forward in my life, anytime anybody looks at me, they go back to that top secret clearance. Well, I have two or three others on top of that. I had to get renewed after that. They'll go out here somewhere and they'll say, hey, the government's already did a good check on Mike. There's nothing back here we need to even look at. All we got to look at is the stuff forward. I thank God for that, man. I, 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 was, I was scared to death when I had to bring up my past history but I knew the thing had to come into play if I was going to do anything. Aren't you glad God don't bring yours up? Aren't you glad that you don't have tattoos all over your head saying what you are? Brother, if, if, if the people could see exactly who we are, they'd probably throw up. Uh, I mean, just like an airplane coming down. Everybody's got their bark bag out. Uh, it's a terrible thing, man. But God says right here, the Lord says this. I like the way he words it. He goes, have I any pleasure at all? That the wicked should die. You know what his, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting. Whosoever, that's everybody. You know what his initial intent was? He never wanted to kill one person on the other side of Noah's flood. They killed themselves. It's not God's fault, by the way, brother. It's not God's fault. A lot of times it's not even the devil's fault. It's our fault. We do what we're supposed to do. We just get led, led astray a lot of times. But he sits there and says, uh, he goes on in that verse there and he goes, uh, uh, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his way. So sometimes you can get away. And you know what he wants you to do is return. He always wants you to come back. Always come back. You know what our job is? Is to help him get back. Now there comes a point. I got, I got it, man. There's some things that's just going to be rough to deal with. Uh, but there's other things that need to be dealt with and get them above board and let's move on, man. Let's forget about it. Uh, I don't really have to tell everybody everything about everybody in the room and you don't have to know everything about me. But if, if I do tell you something, it's, I'm telling you that in, in a, like, a, if, you want, if you want specifics, make sure you ask for specifics. Because <laughs> sometimes I'll say, Bleh, and, and that'll get misconstrued in a couple of things. But he, the Lord wants us to get right. He wants us to turn around. He, he gives you three different men here. He, he talks about the Father. He says, if a just man is just, he says, he will live. Now, this is Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there was no uh, uh, circum spiritual circumcision, so the body and the soul were one. And whatever got on the flesh ended up on the soul. And there was no way to get it off unless you did your sacrifices and everything else. So you had, to, you had to do what needed to be done in the Old Testament. The soul that sinneth, any sin was put on this. That's why he said the soul that sinneth, it shall die. you got to take care of that thing. Down in verse 10 it says, if he, talking about the righteous man, begot a son, a, a son that is a robber, a shedder of blood, and that doeth the like to any one of these. Go down to verse 13. Hath given, and he goes through the whole list, and had, hath given forth upon usury, and hath taken increase, shall he then live? He shall not live. He hath done all, those abomina all these abominations. He shall surely die. His blood shall be upon him. God says, hey, if there's a wicked man, and the wicked man is there, and he doesn't ever get right, the man can die. He can, he'll die. If a righteous man liveth, and he does the righteous stuff, he's going to live. Then you get down to verse 14. And it's the grandson. You know, you, you sit there and look at life, and it doesn't really matter what kind of family you're raised in. 
It doesn't matter what kind of people you've been running with your whole life. There is no excuse. You know what I like about this passage? I, was reading, I read this today. This is part of my daily Bible reading. I come through here, and I just started reading that thing. I said, man, that's good, Lord. I said, it's good. I said, it's really, really good. It says, now, if lo, if he begat a son. So now the, the grandfather had the son. The son's wicked as, as the day is long, uh, and he has a son. Now, lo, if he begat a son that seeth all his father's sins, which he had done, and consider, considereth. You stop. You stop and start thinking. You know how you get revival? You start thinking. You got to think. He put something between this head right here, in between these ears. And it's just in two eardrums so that you can hear and all this. No, no, no. There's something inside here, inside this thing. It's called a brain. And most people have one. I met a few I was curious about. I wasn't sure. But I'm pretty sure they had one in there. They just let it get numb. But, but uh, here's this brain. And the Lord gave you the ability to think. I wish y'all could have been there last night. Me and Mike was putting this thing in his truck. And we both crawled up under his truck and we looked. And it looked like we needed to just rip out the whole bottom of his truck to get to these six bolts that we needed to put in. I said, nope, ain't going to do it. Mike said, what do you need? I said, I need a shim. So he gives me a wooden shim about this long. And me and that shim laid under that truck. Mike sat in the truck. I mean, that's what he did. He liked doing that. And he just put the bolt in the hole. (laughs) And he turned it. He did a good job doing that. No, he did more than that. But, uh, but we sit there, you know what, uh, you, you get there, people, I had a boss one time said, Mike, teach people how to use tools. How can you teach them how to use a shim? I didn't even know I needed a shim till I got to the place where I needed a shim. I needed something thin and little and light that I could use to reach back under this plate to get my other fingers under this and do this. And you couldn't see a thing. Your fingers had to do all the seeing. That's, that's all it was. There's no way you can teach anybody that stuff. You just got to get out there and do it. You know how you learn how to use a hoe? You go out there and you use one and you get blisters. You don't tell anybody to put on gloves when they go out to use a shovel or a glove. You wait till they get blisters. Then they realize I should have put something on my hands to keep me from doing it. You know what? They just learn something. If you tell them, they never learn it. But here's a son. He goes, now, lo, if he begat a son and see of his father's sin, which he hath done and considereth and doeth not such the like, such like. That means you don't do what your dad did. You don't do what your uncles did, your aunts did. Brother, we got to get to the point where in our lives we sit there and look. Now, I'm talking about revival. Give me a second. Just let me build up this thing. we got a revival starting uh, Sunday. What do you want out of revival? Just another church service? Do, I mean, between now and then, a lot of us ought to be praying that Brother Reagan comes in here with exactly what we need. To get our hearts where they need to be so that the Holy Spirit can use us to do what he wants. Uh, go and, and go down to verse 17. He, he runs through the whole list again. He says, that had taken off his hand from the poor. He, he doesn't hurt the poor. That had not received usury nor increase. Hath ex- executed my judgments. Done what I told him to do. Hath walked in my statutes. He shall not die for, for the iniquities of his father. He shall surely live. That's personal accountability. Individual accountability. Now, brother, God is getting ready to bring that thing. The Lord is going to do that in the New Testament, and he's going to bring that thing in, and it's going to be an individual salvation. You're going to get saved one day. Uh, I hope you all are right now. I got saved in 1980, man. He, he brought that. I was under the law until 1980. After the law, I got under grace. The Lord's judgment on sin, verse 18. Actually, uh, yeah, 18. Is to the sinner. As for his father, he's talking about the guy who's wicked. Because he cruelly oppressed, spoiled his brother by violence, and did that which is not uh, good among his people, lo, even he shall die in his iniquity. Yea, uh, yet say ye, why does not the son bear the iniquity of the father? Why should he? But the Lord goes on. He says, when the, when the son had done that which is lawful and right and hath kept all my statutes and had done them, he shall surely live. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. You know you're personally accountable to God. A lot of us, we just don't, we never get, we never grasp at the gravity of that statement. Never gets, now I know we're on this side and I got saved and I'm, I'm born again and I'm on my way to heaven, but I still live in the flesh every day and my flesh still causes me trouble. Just like yours causes you trouble. And you're going to be accountable to the Lord for everything you do in his body. And you better get that thing in your head straight where it needs to be or else you're going to be in trouble. I don't like preaching this as much because it, it hits me just as much as I had a bad day all day today. I mean, my whole day was bad. 
And I'm sitting here trying to figure out how to work out all the world's problems. And guess what I figured out? You can't, the only problem is the Lord coming back and just wiping it all out. That's, we need another Noah's flood is what we need. Uh, but he ain't going to do it because nobody's built an ark. You know what? We need some guys to go out and just build an ark. We're going to go up there and do another house. But if we get some guys to build an ark, the Lord might actually do something. But I doubt he can't find anybody. That's why it's not in the Bible because he knows nobody's going to build one. He goes, the soul that sinned it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquities of the father. I, there's some people. I had a wicked dad. He, he had a wicked dad. And he had a wicked dad. My dad had a wicked son, which was me. <laughs> And you know what? Somewhere I started considering some things. And you know what the Lord did out of grace and mercy? You're talking about some grace and mercy and long-suffering? We, we missed that stuff, brother. I'm going to get into that. i got to get into this. I, we missed the long-suffering of God. As I was reading this today, you know what I got out of this? That, Lord, you could have killed that wicked man anytime you wanted to. And you didn't. Why do you say that? Because he goes on. <laughs> He says right here, he goes, but if the wicked will turn from his sins, down in verse uh, 21, that he had committed and keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live and shall not die. I said, Lord, you waited. I mean, there comes a point where he quits. I got that. I know that. But I said, Lord, you waited. That's called grace. That's called mercy. He could have killed that guy any time and been totally justified in the process. He said, nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait. You know what our problem is, is we don't wait. We see somebody mess up, and we're all about to get on them in a heartbeat and just tell them and read them the riot act. And that's a wrong thing to do, man. That's a, they got plenty. I like Dr. Ruttman, man. I mean, we sit in class one day. We've seen some things. I've seen some things I thought was, was uh, just not right. Uh, and... and even to this day, I still have some issues with them. I think they weren't quite right. But he was a pastor of the church, and, and he stopped in class one night just like this, and, and we were getting ready to do Genesis or Exodus or something. I don't know what it was, something, uh, and, and put everybody to sleep. And, and, he was, and, uh, and he stopped and said, I bet you all you guys think, I'm spitting peanuts and everything. He said, I bet you guys all think that I don't know what's going on in this church, don't you? Because he heard the rumbling going on. And, uh, and he, he laid it out right in front of the whole class. And he goes, all three of these people involved, he goes, they're all still in church, aren't they? And I go, I'm sitting there all by myself. I, I don't care about the other 125, 30 people. I'm like, yeah. He goes, uh, are they still getting preaching? I said, yeah. Uh, are they still, am I changing my preaching, countering to them? No. Is there a chance that they may get right? Yes. Are you going to be the one that stands before the Lord and says, no, I didn't want them to get right, so I run them off? Now, if they want to go away, let them go away. I've never run anybody out of this church. I said it's Sunday, except three people, and they weren't members of this church. Everybody else left on their own accord because they did not want to, to submit to what they needed to do. Oh, you're an authoritarian. No. <clears throat> One, I actually told I would let him be pastor of the church, and I would serve him in front of five other guys out of this church. And he said no. I said, then I'm going to be the pastor, and you're going to do what I tell you to do. Or... And right then and there, it almost got to the point where I was getting ready to tell him to leave. And I said, let's stop this thing. We'll do this. We'll continue this next week and come back, same bat channel, same bat time and all that other stuff. And by the next Sunday, he quit. He left because he was not going to do it. Now, brethren, I want you to remember that for a second because this revival is coming up and it's going to start Sunday morning. You will either get something or you won't, but it'll be because of you, the reason why you do or you don't. And the hardest thing you'll have to do is to omit some things in your personal life. That guy right here got right because he omitted some personal things. Ah, go down to verse 24. Ezekiel 18:24. But when the righteous turneth away from his righteousness, don't ever think you're so good. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. There's not one that's good. There's none good. No, not one. Not one. Not one. Not one. Not one. Jesus Christ was here. He was the only one. He left. Uh, Samuel wasn't. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wasn't. Noah wasn't. Job wasn't. Daniel wasn't. Every one of them had kinks in their armor. So do we. He goes, but if the, uh, yeah, if the righteous turn away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and doth according to all the abominations that the wicked man doeth, shall he live? All his righteousness. You know, you can lose everything you had. He goes right on. He goes, all his righteousness that he had done shall not be mentioned. 
in his trespass that he had trespassed. And in his sin that he had sinned, in them shall he die. Now, this is Old Testament. In the Old Testament, you know, that's where a lot of our churches got this thing wrong. They think the soul is sinned that shall die, and that, that transpires over. Yeah, sure it does if you don't get saved. But, boy, the moment I got saved in 1980, my soul and spirit was separated, and I was sealed into the day of redemption. I could not lose that if I wanted to. But there's some things that I should have. Verse 25, the Lord's desire and purpose. Yet ye say the way of the Lord is not equal. That almost sounds like it's not right. Here's a guy who does his whole life, and he does everything just right, and in the very end of his life, he just messes everything up and refuses to get the thing right, and God says, you'll die in your sin. And here's a guy who lives like a wicked devil his whole life. That's one saved, always saved stuff. That's great, man. I think it's the greatest thing. It says peanut butter. Uh, and, he, and he lived his whole life like the devil, like my dad, and, and like his son, me. And, I, and then right at 30 years of that mess, at 57 years old, my dad turns his life back over to Jesus Christ and lives the last 10, 12 years of his life for Jesus Christ. He goes to heaven, and I bet you the angels were ever shouting glory. I remember Mrs. Buffett, man. She, oh, she told me she's a Jehovah Witness her whole life, 81 or 82 years old, in the hospital, dying, got two weeks left to go. I used to go over and talk to her all the time. She would, she said, uh, she, I said, Mrs. Buffett, you're not no stinking Jehovah Witness. Oh, yes, I am. No, you're not. Big old lady. I said, no, you're not. Yes, I am. Why am I not a Jehovah Witness? I said, because the Jehovah Witness wouldn't let me in her house. I said, number two, these kids come over here every year, and they sing to you Christmas songs. You wouldn't let these kids come in here and sing to you Christmas songs if you were a true Jehovah Witness. <coughs> I found out she's in the hospital. She's dying. She had a couple weeks left. We went down there. I didn't get to lead her to the Lord, but I got to talk to her. She got saved a day later, or maybe two days later. And uh, we were talking. I said, Mrs. Buffin. She said, Mike, you don't know what I've done. Right here. You don't know what I've done. I said, Mrs. Buffin, don't care what you've done. <laughs> I really could care less at that point. It doesn't bother me one bit. Nothing. Zero. Nothing. I said, Mrs. Buffin, doesn't matter. I said, wouldn't it be? She said, she said, you, she said you just don't know what I've done. I said, sis, so let me ask you a question. I said, wouldn't it be a blessing that the devil had you his whole life? And in the last 30 seconds of your life, you turned your life over to Jesus Christ. And when you get to heaven, he sets this little trophy, Mrs. Buffin trophy up and says, look, I'll let you have her her whole life. And I put somebody around her for the last three or four years of her life. And I started changing her heart and changing her heart and changing her heart. And you had 80 years of her life. And I just had a couple. And I, he says, I brought her back. That's what God wants. That's exactly what he wants. He doesn't want what we think somebody should be. That's carnality on our part. That's baby stuff. That's baby childishness. That has nothing to do with the Lord, by the way. Take your Bibles down. Go to 1 John. That led me to this, which by the time I'm done, you'll probably say, what was he talking about? 1 John chapter 1. It's one of the greatest, I think it's the greatest chapter uh, for a Christian. If you really, really want it, we got a revival coming up. And I'll tell you what, I want something special out of it for myself. I'm, I'm just greedy. I need something for me. Uh, I don't care about you. I just care about me. <laughs> I really do care about you, otherwise I wouldn't be saying what I'm saying right now. 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 4. These things write we unto you that your joy may be full. So the purpose of John writing here isn't that you get saved. Uh, there's people who, who get this thing all messed up. It has nothing to do with that. It's to be joyful. If you have no joy tonight, you know what your problem is? Uh, you're, you're nowhere near Jesus Christ. You need to know that. Now, if you want this revival to do something for you, you need to be honest. I need to be honest. I need to be honest about my spiritual condition. I have, it's, if God is individual, which I just went through in Ezekiel, I showed you he's individual. He's an individual God. He's my Lord. He wants me to be honest with him. He's going to be honest with me. And guess what? He's going to tell me some things sometimes I just don't want to hear. I don't need to know what you do. <laughs> I got enough problems. In my, I got to listen. Beth started. I said, Beth, I don't, know, I, don't want to, I don't want to know what happened to you before you met me. It might change my thoughts of you. It wouldn't really. Because what I've seen is what the Lord has done. And what he's going to do or wants to do. These things write we unto you that your joy. This is the apostle that loved Jesus' love. This is, the, this is the man that laid on his breast. This is the one that was out in the boat with, backslidden down the boat with Peter. And when the Lord said, have you any fish? 
He goes, it's the Lord. Even in his backslidden, he wasn't as backslidden as Peter because at least John knew who he was. He goes, verse 5, he says, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. You got to understand where you're walking. Tyler's message was, and I told you all earlier, and I'll tell you again, seeing where you walk. You know the only place you can see where you walk is in the light? My brother, man, he's all messed up. Body's all messed up. He goes out on, which is, I mean, he's all messed up. They told him one time to sit in a lazy boy, get him a nice lazy boy by a fireplace and just sit there until he dies because he's so messed up. His body, I mean, everything's. So he goes out on a lake where there's cliffs, and he walks out there in the middle of the night with no light and falls off a cliff. And then he hurts all over the place, and he doesn't understand why he hurts all over the place. I'm like, you need light. You're walking in darkness. I love my brother, but he's just, he's a wacko nut. I don't know what he's doing out on a lake in the middle of the night where the cliffs are and can't see, and he's broken. I have no idea any about that. But this then is the message which we have heard him and declare to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say, this is where the individual stuff comes in. If you, wanna, if you want this revival to actually be something for you, it has to start someplace, by the way. It's just not this. When we say this every time we have a revival or a meeting or we go to camp, we want to see kids. We're going to go up Friday to, to do a work on a, uh, a, a camp or a building that will house maybe another 24 kids. You say, why would you do that so we can get 24 more kids? It could change one of those 24 kids' life, if not all of them. You know, the Lord could get in there and, and nobody even come to camp enough to fill that thing up anyways. And the Lord blessed the rest of the camp because of the effort that we put into the, trying to get the 24 in there. I have no idea what the Lord's going to do. I could never figure out what he's going to do. He just puts something in front of you sometimes and says, do it. And you sit there and say, okay, I can do that. There's things I can do and there's things I can't do. And you got to get to the place where you say, okay, what can I do spiritually? What, what condition am I? Let's be honest. Well, if I'm going to compare myself to somebody else, yeah, okay, I might be a little bit better off than somebody else. But if I compare myself to some other people, man, I feel like a moron. So no matter how you look at this thing in life, you can't compare yourself. And Paul said, I press toward a mark. Andrew mentioned that the other day. I got a race that I'm running that you can't run with me. It's my race. We can travel along the same road to a certain degree. You may out-excel me easy, man. But the, the thing is, we got to run the race together. If we say that we have fellowship with him. Now, everybody in here, if I asked for a show of hands, I said, are you fellowshipping with Jesus Christ? I bet you everybody would raise their hands up. you got to be honest. You need to be honest with yourself. You need to be honest. And walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. To have a true revival in your heart, you got to be honest with yourself. Since there's none good, no, not one, not a one of us are any good. I, I like Romans, man. I love Romans. Romans is cool. Romans chapter 3 is even better. Oh, I, I, I like it. He, said, he goes down through a list of, of 14 things, and he just calls us everything but, but scum. Uh, a pig is better than we are. And I'm sitting here going, yes, yes. I, you know, when I go through that, I, I really I don't want to offend anybody. But it's just a great chapter, man, because it tells me right where I'm at. And if I start at the bottom, the only place is up. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, we're talking instant success. I don't have to worry about going up here and trying to outdo somebody. There ain't nobody that low. So if I go that low, get down there, and I look up, I mean, the only place is up, up, up. That's good, man. I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, and if the Lord's on the other end of that thing at the sky, then I, he's the only one I care about. You know what you got to do? You got to get to the place where you care about him. Not about you anymore and not about the person sitting next to you or anywhere around you. Somebody that did you dirty. Who cares, man? They're God's. I went out street preaching one time. I preached this. Y'all don't have to turn it. I'll turn it real quick. It's a great passage. I like this passage. It's my favorite, one of my favorite verses. I got saved right here in this passage, a little bit past this. Judge not that you be, Matthew 7, 1. Judge not that you be not judged. You know what you're not supposed to do is judge somebody. It is none of your concern or my concern what somebody else is doing. It is none. If God's in the thing, he'll work the thing out. I'm not supposed to judge. You know what I'm supposed to look at is me. How can a baby Christian that just gets saved read this thing and understand that? Well, you know, that's Old Testament, and that's, that's you know, you're getting into the Beatitudes and all this other stuff, and that's to the Jews. And, no, you're, you're, we're morons. We just don't want to do it. That's the problem. That's the problem. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. 
That thing is just applicable to anybody in this room as it was to the day when Jesus said it. Judge not that you be not judged. For what judgment you judge, ye shall be judged. You're going to get judged just exactly. Have you ever done something, man, and a couple minutes later you get smacked in the back of the head? You ever done something and two or three weeks later all of a sudden something happens and you go, I wonder if it was because of that. Why would you put one and one together to get two? Because the Lord says, oh, oh you're going to open your trap and do something? Let's see what we're going to bring back on you and see how you take it then, man. Every time something goes wrong in my life, first thing I'm doing, I'm like, Lord, what did I do to cause that? I started looking back, man, and, and uh, all day I had issues all day going on. I'm like, what did I do back there somewhere to cause all this? I did something. And it, it's, a lot of times it has nothing to do with this out here. You know, the devil can sit there and just flick people all over the place and just irritate them to irritate you. And it has nothing to do with what you did. But this thing right here, man, you open that trap over here about something that you shouldn't be opening your trap about. And then all of a sudden, over here, man, the devil will flick his person and they'll come in at you at this angle. And you won't, unless you, unless you got a right heart that you want to get something right with God, you'll never know it. For what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Don't you think, don't you think for one minute how you treat somebody else, God ain't going to bring that back on you somewhere down the road. I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I look at this like he's saying, Mike, right here, Mike, shut up. And why beholdest thou the moat? Hey, you know what? A moat. A moat is a little, that's like, this right here, this is the beam. I like this part. Why beholdest thou the moat that is in thy brother's eye? See, you got a moat in your eye. I know every one of you got a moat in your eye. How do I know that? says right here, man. You all my brothers and sisters, so y'all got moats. You got moats all over the place. There's about 35, 40 moats out there. But then he goes on, he says, but consider it's not the beam that is in the own eye. Here, let me help you get that moat out of your eye, man. I can't even see your eye because of my, my iniquities. And the Lord sits there and tells us that stuff all through it. This book is not, is not for you to pick up and take it to somebody else. It's to change your life. It always has been that way. It has for me anyways. I picked this thing up. It has nothing to do with, well, I'm, no, you're, I don't care what you can do or how you can do it or how good you are. There's always somebody better. The Lord's always brought somebody. I thought I was a great chess player. There was a day, man, I, I tell everybody in the Navy, there's 65,000 techs, and I'd be in the top five. That, I, that put four, at least four, above me. And there's probably like 64,999 above me, really, honestly. If I, but you know what? Hey, I, I was confident that I could fix something. I thought I was a great chess player until I met that guy up in Great Lakes. And that guy smoked me, man. I thought I was a great pull to play until I see my dad pick up a cue the first time. You know, what, you know what bothered me about that more than anything else? Is here's a guy I've watched drink and drunk. I could tell you he's a great drunk. I could tell you what, perhaps Blue Ribbon, man. He'd buy him by the 24-case bottles, flip the little lids open. Man, my dad started popping them, and he just get plastered. Never seen him in, in my whole life, in my whole life, pick up a pull cue. Not one time. I was in bars when he was carousing and doing everything he shouldn't be doing. I was there in pool halls where he was at, watching him do. Never seen him pick up a pull cue. He walks into a pool hall with me one day and picks up a pull cue and beats the snot out of me, man. Not with the pull cue. He ran the table. I mean, three or four rail bank shots just isn't something that happens overnight. I watched him walk by a table one night, a pool table. God's my witness. This girl couldn't even hold a pull cue. She didn't even know which end to use. And he walks by. My dad walks by. And I'm playing this girl game of pool. And my dad walks by and does this. Hit right there. And he just keeps on walking. And lo and behold, she hits the cue ball right there, three rails in, and kicks the ball in. And she wins. I'm like, I said, you know what the Lord showed me right there? My dad said, even my dad told me, he said, Mike, there's always somebody better. See, we get this arrogant pride in us that we think we're something special. Honesty is required. If you're in darkness, you need to know you're in darkness. There's a couple things about this, and I'll be done. We lie and do not the truth. You lie to yourself, you'll never get anywhere with the Lord. The key here is getting somewhere with Jesus. That's where we want to be. This world, what they need right now is Jesus. They don't need any more people out here who think they're godly men. And they don't need no godly women. They need people who can get a hold of Jesus Christ. That's what they need. They need people who can get a hold of the Lord. And they need to see him. That's what we need. Honesty is required. You know, by that verse right there, it's interesting. It goes, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, you're always moving in one direction. You're still moving, no matter what. You're never standing. So people say, well, I just stand. No, you're walking in darkness. 
You're always headed somewhere. You're either in darkness or light, one or the other. You got to be honest with yourself. I am not where I should be. I know I'm not where I should be. There's, there's some place else I need to be. I want to be. Not out of Dayton. But I mean, there's some place I, I need to be. I need to be a little bit further down the road with the Lord Jesus Christ. The truth must be followed. You know, the Lord's going to show you something. If you're listening this week, he'll show you something. Don't worry about what everybody else is around you. Just you, you, me. I'm going to listen for me, for the Lord to give me something. Verse 7, John uh, 1, 7. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all, all sin. Walking in the light is, is necessity. You can't walk with Jesus unless you're in the light. And walking with Jesus in the light is going to reveal some things in our lives that we may not want to see. But if you're honest with yourself and the Lord reveals those things to him, you know what it does? It makes you love him a little bit more. These are the things that got to go away. And since he's an individual Lord, now you've got to make a choice of whether you want, to, you want to continue that walk with him or walk right back into darkness. Well, he's already told you over in Ezekiel what's going to happen if you go back into darkness. Now, you may not be, you may be saved and on your way to heaven and not lose your salvation. I'm never going to say you're going to lose your salvation. But, boy, you can sure lose some blessings on this side and you can lose some blessings on the other side. I don't know about you, but I definitely don't want to do that. The truth must be followed if we walk in the light. Walking in the light is a necessity. Number two, if you want to walk with Jesus, you're going to have to walk in the light. You cannot do, you get this thing right here and your actions, my actions, hinder me from walking with Jesus. You cannot say, I walk with Jesus and do the things we do. You can't do it unless they're the right things. And, and go back over, you ought to go read Ezekiel 18. He has a whole list of things there, man, you ought to read. True fellowship with the brethren is a byproduct. He said that right there. If we walk in the light as he is in the light. If I walk in the light as he is in the light, he says, we have fellowship one with the other. You know, if you got a problem with your brother, you got a problem. That's, that's, he gives you all this. Isn't it amazing how the Lord, the Holy Spirit just throws stuff in there to show you, well, i got a problem. I always try to, you hear me say, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm really not. I try my best to make up to everybody the best I can uh, to all men. Some people just won't. Now, I'm not going to compromise one thing I believe for anybody. My wife, my kids, my anybody. But I will try anything I can to make the thing work if you'll let me help you work it. If we can do it, we'll do it. You know why? Because my Christianity, my spirituality is hinging on it. I don't care about the other person. Oh, I do care about the other person. But I definitely care about me. I can't say I walk in the light with Jesus Christ and do the things I do and then hate my brother. Can't happen. You know what happened? The devil will get in there and he'll throw some bitterness in there and he'll throw some of this stuff in here. And he'll, God didn't take, everybody said, well, God took this away from me. God, I, I'm so sick of hearing people say, why did God let, he didn't let anything. Nine times out of ten, the devil does it. Job lost all his stuff. The devil took it away. It's right there in Job chapter one and two. Everybody's mad. Well, the Lord took it. No, the Lord didn't take nothing away. He just allowed the devil to do it. When he came back to getting it back, he gave every bit of it. Now, the Lord gave it back to him, and Job knew it came back. If you want to walk with Jesus, you've got to walk in the light, and you're going to have uh, the byproduct is going to be your brother. Now, I'm going to say something here in just a second. Give me a second. I'm working in there. Build it all up for about two minutes, and we're done. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. There is a level of deception that goes on in a human mind that we think we're a little bit better than somebody else because of us. And you're not. None of us are. Boy, I tell you what, I would like to say we've all arrived to heaven and we all got halos. I make that comment every now and then. But, brother, we need to be honest with ourselves. We are not any better than anybody else. And when it really gets right down to the road, I heard an old preacher say this one time, me and my four and no more. And usually, even in a church like this, that's the way it gets. We're going to protect what's in front of me first and what I have first and my family first, and I don't care about nobody else. And that's just as wicked as hell. Now, I think, watch this, I think God gave me salvation. I should never lose it. I think God gave me a wife, and I should never lose it. I think he gave me five kids, and I should do everything I could in my power to keep that thing, keeping the Lord right dead center of that thing. You know how I did that? In the very beginning, I said, I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to let nothing get in my way. You know why I chose my wife? It's because she didn't get in the way. You know why I didn't chose some of the other ones? Choose some of the other ones? They all started getting in the way. 
They had to go out of the way. They had to get out of the way. They're not for me. So I chose her, and then he gives us five kids. Are they perfect? Of course they aren't. They didn't have a perfect dad, and they don't have a perfect mom, and we don't have any perfect kids. But I'm still striving to keep what God gave me. That's not no guarantee that'll happen. But for me personally, that's, that's what Job did. Job lost everything. He did everything he could to keep them. He lost it all. We deceive ourselves. You need to accept you're a sinner. You need to know you're a sinner. You need to know you're in a dark place and you're a sinner. Or you're, you're in the light and walking, but you're still a sinner. For all of sin comes short of glory of God. He goes on, he goes, uh, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know you cannot, you cannot even confess your sins unless you're walking in the light. You're not honest. You know why you confess sins? It's because you get before Jesus Christ and you know that they're there and you want to get that thing out to, the, to get that fellowship back that your joy may be full. You got joy tonight? If we say that we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves and truth not is. Here is here's the story. Luke, Luke chapter 23, 32. There's two guys hanging on a cross with Jesus Christ. One's in light and he's getting lit up and the other's in total darkness. Brethren, that's where we're at. They were both dying. They were both going to be dead shortly. Yet the other one was in darkness so bad that he did not even recognize he was in darkness. Some, sometimes we get into a place in our lives where darkness is so dark, we don't even know we're in the dark. And the light is right in front of us, and it's, it's like, a shutter is in between me and that light, and that light can't get through. That guy's there. Jesus says in verse 34, 23, 34, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, I'm not going to call Jesus a liar, but I'll tell you this. I know we don't know what we're doing. And I don't care who is the smartest man on the face of this planet or can write the best books. I could care less. They have no clue. They got some clue, not a whole lot of clue when it comes to Jesus Christ on what he's doing. We think we know. And we'll look at somebody because they can go through Bible college in five minutes or something and think, oh, that guy's a genius. No. If the Holy Spirit isn't in that person's life, you can train anybody to do anything. But to get God in it, there's only a very few Samuels. There's very few Davids. There's very few Daniels. There's all this. There, there aren't that many. Everybody wants to shoot for that, but there aren't but a few. I think Dr. Ruckman was one of those guys. That man was, a, he was an amazing man. Down in verse 38, they put a, a superscription over his Jesus' cross. So this is the king of the Jews. If you didn't know who it was, he's going to tell you. Then, verse 39, the conversation starts between these two men. One's in light, and one, one's getting light, and one's getting is in darkness. It's getting darker and darker. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. Sarcastic as he could be. The other answer rebuked him, saying, Durst, thou not, uh, durst not thou fear God, seeing we are in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly. You and I did exactly what we deserved. We getting what we deserved. We did this. You did it. I'm a sinner. We're, did you notice here that they're all hanging on a cross with nails in their hands and they're carrying on a conversation? That right there at this point isn't really bothering them too much. You know what the key here? One guy is so bitter in his heart, he's in the blackness so bad, the pain doesn't even affect him that he can curse out and curse the, the king of kings. That's how dark we can get sometimes. That's how dark people can get. The other guy's sitting there hanging there at the exact same time, the same amount of pain, got three spikes in him. He's, he's trying to get a word out. And they, I've, I've seen comments of where, commentaries where they're talking about people uh, hanging on a cross and, and, and they go down and get tired, they come back up and they go back down, they come back up. Man, I tell you what, I, I thought I was going, I felt like that yesterday. I was, I'm on this diet and I was out in the backyard and it's like 700 degrees. It felt like hell out in the backyard. And I had this tree laying in the backyard, and Beth could cut around it, and the grass is getting thicker. And so I went out there with a chainsaw and cut it all up, and then started stacking it and dragging it out. I thought, man, I was dragging. The grass is about this high, and I'm dragging through this grass, and I think I'm getting ready to die at any minute. I'm serious. I thought I was going to die. I had to quit and go get some electrolytes. Uh, and, and I'm sitting there going, here's Jesus on the cross. 
And he's listening to both of these guys, wanting to give light. He doesn't say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He's talking about these down here, but he's talking about everybody. And he's sitting there on the cross dying, and these two men are sitting there going back and forth. And one cares more about his soul than the other one does. The other one just cares about getting caught and get me out of my predicament so I can go on and do the same thing over. Brother, if that's all revival is to you, then don't even come. You're going to mess it up for everybody else. But if you can see a little glimmer of light there, you say, hey, man, I can get something. You say, well, why are you talking to us like that? Because you're all the same. We're all the same. Each and every one of us needs something. And if you don't come with the right heart, if God's preparing Brother Reagan with the messages he needs to bring in here for us, we need to prepare ourselves to receive them. The question is, do you want to be in darkness or not? He says, we indeed justly, for we receive due rewards of our deeds. I, I don't know about you, but boy, I tell you what I deserved. You know, you look at David. I love David. David's a good guy, man. I like David. He messed up. He messed up royally. And it cost him. He, Absalom. Absalom got killed because of David. I mean, when you sit there and read David, and you see all the stuff he had to go through, and he's, he praises the Lord. He numbered the people one time, and I think 78,000 people died. I sit there going, man, Joab, Joab, as wicked as Joab was, he said, don't do it, man. You know, Joab didn't number his, his tribe. He didn't want to in his tribe to get killed. Smart guy, man. He numbers the other 11, and he kills. He didn't care one thing about none of the rest of them. He, if, if he'd had any heart, he wouldn't have numbered anybody. He'd come back with some fake number and just threw it out there. Maybe nobody had died, but he didn't. But he says, we receive our due rewards. You know, you receive exactly what you're supposed to get. And guess what on the other side? with what he said in Ezekiel, he'll give you exactly what you want, too. He'll give you what you want. If you want light, he'll give you all the light you can get. But if you want darkness, he'll give you darkness that's so dark that you won't even know. The sad thing is you won't even know you're in it. He goes, but this man, talking about, Jesus, talking about light flooding this man's soul, hanging on a cross in agony, excruciating agony, carrying on a conversation because he knows he hasn't got much time and he's got one chance in the whole wide world, once in his life, light started flooding his soul, and he gets to see the man who the light came from, and the other guys right on the other side can't. He's still in total darkness, eclipsed because of the bitterness in his soul, the angry anger, the selfishness. You know, that's us, man. We get stuff in our crawl that we cannot get out, and you got to take that thing, Lord, and keep it there at the Lord. The problem isn't anybody else's. The problem is mine. If it's in my cross, it's my problem. You know what I try to do is try to get the thing out. I've, I've fought with things for years. And I'm like, Lord, you see this and I see it. It's messed up and why? And it's still there. It won't go away. He just won't give you the victory on it. You know why? He wants you to fight through that thing. He's giving you light. He's trying to give you light. And, and even in the struggle, sometimes he'll give you the light. He said, but this man hadn't done anything amiss, nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest in the kingdom. And boom, immediately. Lord, give me that verse when I was in jail one night. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. We're getting ready for revival. I got two verses I'm going to read. Here's the, here's the whole passage right here. That whole thing I just said is these two verses right here. How much light do you want? Light only comes from one place. It don't come from the outlets up here. This isn't light. John 1.4 says this. Take your Bibles, go to John 1.4. Not 1 John, but John. I'll read these two verses, and brother, I'll be done. I'll pray and we'll be done. I want revival. I want revival in my life, but I want revival in yours too. We could be the ones that get excited enough that somebody else will see our excitement and they get fired up. You never know. There could be visitors that come in here that get fired up because we're fired up. First John, or John, John, John 1, 4, he says this. Yeah, let's go to verse 1. I lied, but let's do that. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That means Jesus made it all. Uh, in him was life. You're not going to get life anywhere but him. Anywhere else is death. Life is in Jesus Christ. If you want life, you're going to have to get it from him. You're not going to get it from a 
a Bud Light or a Michelob or Miller Light. Life is not in a beer bottle. Life is not in a bar. Life is not in a baseball stadium. Life is not on this planet. It is in a man named Jesus Christ. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. You know what's sad? Is Jesus has been talked about for 2,000 years. And if you read your Bible a little bit closer, he's been in that thing. It says, uh, and he walked in the garden in the cool of the day. He was back here with Adam and Eve. In the beginning, God, it said that God, uh, he said, let us make man in our, let us make man. That's plurality. That's at least two. Jesus Christ was at the beginning of creation, and he's going to be at the end of the thing. He has always been here. And anybody could have as much light as they want. What will happen is the devil will say, yeah, but you can have the light, but how about this over here? Yeah, get your mind over off the side over here somewhere that it doesn't need to be. You can never do anything for the Lord Jesus Christ if you let the world take your light. And it'll substitute it with a false light like that right there. And if you want to put it on a TV screen so they can see you out in the world, yeah, this false light is exactly what you need to have, but it's not the true light. You know where you get the true light? Is you get it out of preaching, you get it out of singing, you get it out of the Word of God. And you got to have it in your heart where it says, this is what I want, this is what I want. Let me ask you a question. What do you want tonight? If we confess our sins... He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can't even confess them unless you're walking in the light with him. You know how you know what to confess? What he tells you to. And he convicts you of your sin. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, and he convicts you of it. That's because you're walking in the light. And you get in that light, and next thing you know, man, you start seeing the, the stuff all over you. It's good, man. Me and Mike was working on this truck. It was late last night. I didn't see nothing until I got in the house and had the lights on. I seen my face in the mirror. Had dirt all over because I'm on the bottom down there. Dirt just falling in my face. Not that this truck is dirty or not, but it had a little road scum on it. But in the dark, you can't see that stuff. But boy, you start getting in the light, and you know what that thing is? We got a revival, brethren, starting Sunday morning. You got Thursday, Friday, Saturday to get your hearts somewhere that the Lord can touch you. If you're already there, Pray for the rest of us. But we need to get our hearts where this, we need to get some things coming out of this thing that God will do individually to each one of us and to all of us as a whole so that we can carry this thing on. We got a summer start, man. I have no idea what the Lord's going to do with us this year yet. But I got the strangest feeling some things are going to start happening. So we need to get ready for that. Revival starts Sunday morning. Are you in the light? Father, thank you for your blessings this evening. Lord, thank you for a book, Lord, that uh, is just consistent, Lord, all the way through, no matter what, where you go in the whole Bible. Uh, Lord, you may have done different things through different time periods, and Lord, we're in an age of grace, and we're in an age of eternal security, salvation, once we get saved, once saved, always saved. Lord, and they didn't have it back in the Old Testament, but Lord, the, the, the theology, the, the thinking was still the same. Lord, you don't want to see anybody go to hell, never did. You didn't want to see the other thief go to hell, Lord. And if he did, he went because of his own choice. I don't know if he did or he didn't, Lord. It doesn't say he didn't get saved. It just doesn't show him getting saved. Trust in you, Lord. Uh, he could have done it shortly thereafter. I have no idea, Lord. It might be surprised when we get to heaven, they both be there. Uh, but, Lord, in any case, uh, Lord, we still have an opportunity today to witness and t uh, talk to some people. And, Lord, you can put them in our paths. Uh, Lord, anybody, that's, uh, it's like anything else. They come to the light. And, Lord, if the light is flowing out of us, people will come. Uh, Lord, help us to do the right thing. Lord, uh, admit where we're at, be honest with ourselves, and prepare our hearts for what you're going to give us starting Sunday morning. And we'll praise you, Nani, in Jesus' name. Amen.